Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts. You can also find it on Google Play Music, on the new Google Podcasts app, as well as on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and on the Overcast app for iOS. Plus, if you still aren't aware, NHTE is now available on Spotify, so be sure to follow the show on there. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player whose new EP is expected to be released in March. He is the creator of what he calls beach-infused country music. Recently, he became the Artist Relations Chairholder on the Board of Directors for the Trop Rock Music Association and is already eyeing up a performance in November at the TRMA's award show in Key West. On top of all this, he works in the corporate world of pro audio sales, keeping him on the front line with all the latest recording gear. You've been hearing a song of his called Coconuts in the Water. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Aaron Hoagland. Hello. Hey, Bruce. How are you? Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Aaron, thanks for making time for this. I'm glad to finally get you on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been working on this for a while, huh? Indeed. Well, we're certainly going to talk about, as I just said in the intro, beach-infused country music. But to start us down that road, tell the listeners about the song of yours that we were just playing, Coconuts in the Water. Yeah, Coconuts in the Water. Um, I actually took a uh, a weekend trip down to St. Thomas. Uh, and from Fort Lauderdale, if, you, if you're not aware of where that's at, it's just about 30 minutes north of Miami. So we're in the tropics, essentially. So to fly over to St. Thomas for the weekend is only a two-hour flight, maybe, from Fort Lauderdale. Um, So we flew in Friday night with my wife, and uh, we flew back Sunday night. And on the way back from uh, the hotel that we were at to the airport, uh, the driver there, who was from St. John's, she was a sweet older lady, uh, was asking us what we were doing that weekend. And uh, we're like, oh, we're just here for some R&R. And um, she goes on to ask of our, you know, how long were we were we there, and was it a week or two? And we're like, oh no, we were just here for three days. And <laughs> she goes, oh, you're you're nothing but a bunch of sticks of fire, huh? And uh, <laughs> kind of just dawned on me of that was really clever of her to say. And um, so I just kind of wanted to wrap a lyric or a song around that lyric of sticks of fire, which was, you know, we're only here for a short time. And uh, we want to have fun and we want to be loved and we want to love everyone. And, um, you know, life's too short for everything else. Right. Uh, And so that's that's where that song Coconuts in the Water came from. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have it in front of me, but I think in the lead up to this today, I think you had said something to me about kind of that being. I'm not, I'm not going to say your life philosophy. It's probably one of your life's philosophies. So uh, am I right? And and so you're, 
it's, it's, it's sort of a metaphor. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, um, as you had touched on before with my professional career, um, I, I always tell everyone that I work with, give me a reason to quit and, uh, go play music on the beach full time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, I take the, the point of view that, as we've always said, and people have always said, is life's too short, right? Well, okay, how do you apply that, and what does that actually mean? And I try to apply that in my music, in my day-to-day job, in my relationships of, you know, let's not worry about the negative stuff, and if something does happen, let's get over it, let's address it real quick, and then let's have a positive view and, and take an approach to life in a very positive light. I like it all, except there's a part of my personality that requires me to say that there's also the element of responsibility where you, you can say life is too short, but it, it, right. <laughs> it, it can't just be all coconuts in the water, you know, meaning like, hey, let's go to the Caribbean every weekend and eh, if I miss a day of work and whatever, you know, at some point we do have to pay the bills, so... You're absolutely right. And I have had people tell me before, they're like, Aaron, you get your stuff done really quick. And I'm like, yeah, so then I can go do that. You know? Ah, <laughs> okay. Do, okay. Do it quickly, do it like proper, it. get it out of the way, and then I you like can it. enjoy life. Right? I like it. Well, Coconuts in the Water, speaking of Aaron Hoagland songs, I know this is an exciting time for an artist when they're getting ready to put out a new release. You've got an EP that will be coming out in what sounds like March, so... What can you tell us about that project? How many songs, the recording process, those types of things? Yeah, so currently uh, there's going to be nine songs released on this album, and they're kind of a collection of country and um, calypso and reggae, as you just heard, uh, country western, but all having obviously my voice and lyrics over them, but kind of touches all of those, uh, all of those at once. Um, but nine songs though, cause I've been, I've been saying an EP and this sounds like a full album. So I, I, I stand corrected because if you've got nine songs, you've got yourself a full album, my friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm short of one and that's what I was actually just going to talk about. I had one ready to go, but it just is, it's one of those things that when you're writing and, and you, you think it's a great song and you love it personally, uh, but should I put it out to the masses? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. But I'm still debating on it. Uh, we'll see. But in, either way, it's going to be nine or ten songs. And, um, you know, the EP was recorded here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know, drums, bass, vocals, uh, guitar. But then I also shipped my songs out to my good friend out in Los Angeles, Joel Martin, a fabulous pedal steel player running around in the country market there. He also plays with uh, hardcore metal bands and, and, and playing pedal steel, uh, just a fabulous musician. Wow. Um, and I sent him my tracks and said, you know, Hey, can you lay down some, some, um, you know, s- uh, some instruments and gather, gather up some other guys on there. And he did, and he did a fabulous job from getting the fiddleist to, um, steel drum player it was great so um but that is one thing that i love about technologies these days is that i can record six of the instruments here ship it off to somewhere else they record it 
send it back to me and I mix it here and it's mastered mm. and now it's done. Amazing. Amazing. Right. But help me understand. So is this self-produced or are, would you say co-produced with him or, and, and then I'll tell you where I'm going with this, but I, I'm trying to sort out first who is considered the producer on this. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, this started out a year and a half ago as a project of an EP. Um, and, and I had just recorded my acoustic and my vocals here and I shipped it off to Joel in Los Angeles and said, Joel, here's our budget. Here's what we're going for. What do you got? And so he gathered all the musicians. You know, we talked about the composition and, and the feel and the flow of everything. And those came out and, and were produced great. Um, but at that point, I was while those were getting worked on, I was also creating new songs here by myself. Mm. So half of so about four or five of those. I'm sorry, four of those tracks were produced here by myself. And then I flew those last four off to Joel to okay. add to it. But okay. those first fives were I would say probably 99% Joel. <laughs> well, here's where I'm going with all this, because I, I want to get back to the song that you said you wrote it and you said, maybe this would be a 10th song, but I don't know, you know, maybe I just like it and maybe I don't want to put it out to the world. So, you know, what kind of insight can you lend? And at the same time, maybe some advice, because I'm sure there are listeners who themselves face this. And if you like it enough, what stops you from saying I like it, and that's all that matters. I'm putting it out as my 10th song because, as I've said, I have to imagine that there have to be a lot of artists that go with the struggle and say, I like it, but I don't want to put it on my album. You know, why wouldn't you put it on the album? And then that's why I was asking about a producer because it's like, well, maybe you defer to the producer and let that producer say, why not? This is this song is great. Or it's easier to take if someone else says, yeah, listen, you know, I've been producing records for 15 years and uh, I don't, I don't think this is something that you want to put on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. The, I would say that there are two sides to deciding when and how or what songs should go on your EP or your album. Uh, first of all, there's a personal attachment to a song, whether that's you wrote it or played on it or sang on it. And then there's also a business attachment to it. You know, do I want to put this song out and have it represent me um, and who I am? Or do I want to put this out because... I don't care. This is my heart and soul and this is what it is. And who cares if only one person likes it? Mm -hmm. um, which I usually do take that approach. But, um, you know, each song like that, it, it depends. Um, you know, for instance, the other songs on this, I would look at the tempo. Um, you know, how many songs do I have in, already in that tempo or close mm, to it? Interesting. Or how many other songs in this EP or album do I have that kind of have the same lyrical theme? Okay. Um, do we need another one of those in there? Okay. I like it. I like it. And I, and I like the, the initial answer that you gave because what I was picturing in my head is I have a client that we went to a songwriters festival one time and she sat down at that festival and did a co-write with someone else. And they ended up coming away with a song that, I could not see that ending up on one of her albums, but, you know, it's a fun gimmicky type song, as I like to call it, a novelty type song, as I sometimes say that, yeah, would you play it at the Songwriters Festival? Sure. It, you know, it's, it's okay for something like that. But now I get what you're saying in terms of, do I want that representing me and being out there recorded on my album? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I think artists ha- have that struggle all the time, especially I, just sitting down and um, writing a song. You know, the very first thing is, what are you writing about and why are you doing that? I, that in itself is, is something that's a huge hurdle to come over. And then once you produce it and put all that stuff together, it's then having to decide, okay, did I just produce a great track that I should release to the to the masses? <laughs> <laughs> There's all these hurdles that we have as artists. Wow. Listeners, we've crossed another plateau in terms of the worldwide listening audience. We are now up to 141 countries around the world where Now Hear This Entertainment has gotten listeners from. You may have seen that from the recent posts on the Instagram account. So Aaron, for the benefit of those who are just being introduced to you because they subscribe to the show and hear it every week in remote areas where they haven't been exposed to you yet, let's talk about how you got here because for someone who's doing beach-infused country music, places like Iowa and Denver don't necessarily jump to mind as the first places that I would think of that you might have lived, but you did. So Talk about that background as well as how you ended up in Southeast Florida. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Iowa, and if you're not quite sure exactly where that is, that's smack dab in the middle of the United States, very landlocked. Uh, the only water that I had to swim in was a creek uh, through a, a, a farm field. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I ended up growing growing up uh, in, in loving music, and, you know, musicals and plays. And uh, I was in a, a trio growing up, you know, barbershop quartets and that kind mm. of thing. Um, it was my sister who was living in Phoenix at the time when we were talking about what I was going to do for college or go to, for college for, um, essentially talking about your career at 17 years old, right? What you want to do with life. And <laughs> and it was obviously I loved music. And, and she she turned me on to a place called um, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe, Arizona, uh, which is a recording school. So they focused on working in the recording studio and, mm. um, you know, sound reinforcement for films and TV. But they were primarily recording studio at that time. And this is about 10 years ago. Um, they had an internship program that... Uh, they helped place students have, once you graduated into whatever kind of realm you wanted to go to. And I had actually debated on going into radio and moving back to Iowa and getting, you know, that nine to five gig of working at a, rec- a radio station, you know, being a producer or whatever it was. But my sister had encouraged me and, and just kind of said, hey, hey, idiot, um, you're not going to have another chance to go work in Los Angeles ever again. Mm. You need to apply to go work in L.A. recording studios. Wow. And so with the help of her, and thank God for her, because I, I don't think I would have done it, so um, kudos to my sister, but um, I ended up going to Los Angeles and working in six, seven different recording studios wow. over the course of three years. Um, you know, there was times when I was working as an assistant, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not like a big engineer, producer, but you know, I was around everything, I was at the sessions, I don't have any credits on, uh, not IMDB, but, uh, uh, oh shoot, I can't think of it right now. But anyways, um, there's nothing big on there, but I was, there was definitely a time at some of the studios I was working at that for eight months straight, everything that came out of our studio was on the radio. Mm. So I definitely got to work with some amazing artists and producers that were 
in it deep that were top names uh, and got to learn their creative process um, as well as their, you know, their demons and what they had to overcome in the studio and um, also just what it took to be on a professional level as an artist uh, or or even a, a session player or an engineer or a producer. It was such a fascinating world coming from Iowa to this world. <laughs> um, well, you got to see it all, it sounds like. Yeah, except the pay was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the trade-off. When you enter this world, is you know, you have to... Um, you have to take a pay cut, but you learn all this wealth of knowledge and experience. And that was one of the reasons why I, I ended up leaving L.A. and going to work in consumer electronics, um, which is kind of working my path now as to where I'm at um, and how I got here. Um, but I worked my way up through consumer electronics in the Midwest and one day got a call from uh, my current position, which is based in L.A. or my company's based in L.A. and said, hey, would you like to come back and you know, come back to LA and work for, uh, your, your position. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So, um, kind of went and got into regional sales and all that stuff, but I've also always been around music and, and helped produce other people on the side while I was working these day jobs. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, so I helped, you know, create albums when I was in Minneapolis as a producer, engineer, Um, but it was when I moved back to LA that I started writing for myself Uh. uh, and kind of got into the country realm. Um, by this time I I now moved into Denver into another position, but was taking writing a little more seriously and had released, oh, about four or five songs, um, through online outlets and, and had some great success with that. And, um, you know, after this point, my fiance wife actually ended up getting a position here in Fort Lauderdale. And that's when I moved down and realized that I had been missing the ocean <laughs> going from Denver, which is very rocky, <laughs> to uh, Fort Lauderdale. And, and having the ocean within a five minute drive is is something that soothes my soul, and I know scientifically it actually says it r- reduces stress and, and, and it's just a wealth of benefits for everyone. And so it was at that point that I didn't want to create songs based on the prairie or, you know, getting in my <laughs> truck and driving for a beer down at the honky-tonk or whatever. <laughs> um, I actually wanted to keep my love for country music but apply the lyrics and the words to the area. Okay. Okay. And see, it's interesting that, that this was all born out of California though, because listeners, if you have been with me for a long time, you know that I'm going to reference uh, episode 171 with Heather Jeanette, who lives in California and is doing country music, but told me on that episode, duh, you know, you can just get on a plane and fly to Nashville and record it there, but it doesn't mean you can't still do country music just because it's California. And then, Chase Miller, he's been on the show twice. I will put links for you to all three of these episodes, the two with Chase Miller and the one with Heather Jeanette on the show page for this episode with Aaron on NHTE.net. So there you go. Now we have you down in Southeast Florida. And as a side note, that seems like it's related. You have an entire section on your website called Caribbean Expedition, 
with a lot of really nicely done videos. T- tell the listeners what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, over the last couple of years since I've lived here, I, as I said, it's a short trip over the Caribbean. So um, I just hop on a flight for a weekend. And I'll, you know, last year I went to San Juan, um, St. Thomas, Bahamas, Key West, uh, I, I believe somewhere else. I can't think off the top of my head, but anyways, um, you know, I go there to just enjoy it and, and take in the culture and, and, and the beaches and it's just a different way of life from anywhere in the United States. I think the closest that you could get there is Miami mm-hmm. or Key West. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't been there, uh, please go to my website and check them out. Uh, it's just when, when I recorded and made these videos, I wanted to give a little bit of a history, show some music, um, and just give you a sense of what it's like to be down in the Caribbean. Oh, Mexico. That's where I was thinking of Mexico, too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, very, very visually appealing videos, meaning both production-wise as well as obviously the scenery. And listeners, if you do subscribe so you can get the show downloaded automatically every week, thank you. And you know that this is about the point where I usually start talking about Tascam. But Aaron, one of the many hats that you wear that we'll hear more about is being their Eastern Regional Sales Manager. So as a recording artist, you're in a unique position to tell the listeners about some of the great new Tascam products that I've been mentioning for a while now and how an indie artist can use them to record demos, singles, EPs, full albums, live shows. Go ahead. <laughs> you can take over from here. Yeah, I mean there there's a we could just have podcasts upon podcasts about this, right? So <laughs> which is exactly what you do. The I so as the Eastern Regional Sales Manager for Tascam, that's my that's my current job now uh, that I was referencing. Um you know, I work with dealers in our headquarters on a day-to-day basis of letting them know what products available and, and why Tascam is so great. And if, if you're not aware of what Tascam is, it's a pro audio manufacturer. So we create multiple ways to record sounds in, in various facets. Um, but one thing that I hold dear to my heart is our recording realm, you know, because I've worked in recording studios and as an artist and I get to sit and talk about what I love to do anyways as a hobby, um, which I encourage all of you to do if you can do it any way possible. Um, but Tascam has been going through some fantastic changes over the last five, six, seven years. Um, you know, specifically talking to their mic pre's and what we use to record ourselves. Uh, you know, even the recording studio realm itself has been changing over the last six, seven, ten years. Used to, it used to be you'd have to go into a recording studio that somebody owned to 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 record your album, right? That song that you just heard, "Coconuts in the Water," was all done in home studios hmm. uh, using the Tascam US twenty by twenty, which is multiple inputs into it. So you get you have eight inputs, XLR inputs, so you can have a full drum kit on there. Um, you know, right into the computer. And then, like I was saying before, we just shipped tracks back and forth between Fort Lauderdale and L.A. and got it done. Um, but right now, currently, I'm talking through our Tascam shotgun mic going into our interface and then through uh, Skype that we're talking right now. So 
the first thing Bruce said when I got on, he's like, well, you sound good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I know I, I've been telling the listeners a lot about the, the Model 24, the 24-channel multi-track recorder that is, as you said, Tascam has been making some some big changes, and, and that's one of them. That's one of the products that, that I've been talking about because I know it's been really well-received, and it is something that someone who's listening to the show that wants to record can use themselves. Yeah, the Model 24 is a, a legendary piece for Tascam that we came out with that built off of its. I, I sh- I'll just I'm just going to use the word again. Let uh, its legend of Tascam. Tascam was known for bringing the first recorder, home recording studio, to to um, the masses, which was a four track reel to reel recording uh, machine. I think that was back in the 60s, um, and since then they've come out with mixers and and um porta studios and cassette uh adat recorders and now we've kind of combined all of those things into this mixer which is a 24 track recorder internally so you don't need anything to record it you just press record internally and there you go or you have the mixing option, you don't even have to record. You can just put it out to your to your house or front of house or wherever you're at, the church or the, the small venue you're working at. But it also has a USB port out, so if someone brings their laptop or wants to record the gig that you're you're recording or you're playing on, you can do it too, which is the the recording part internally is what Tascam has been known for for years. And for us to bring a machine like this, like everyone's super excited about it. <laughs> and listeners, I would encourage you to read more about it on their website, which is Tascam.com, T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Or if you're on the Now Hear This Entertainment website, which is nhte.net, there is a Tascam logo that you can click on to go over to their website. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, it's disappointing to have to say this in 2019, but don't start off your emails with, hi guys. First of all, it shows you're not doing your research because, second of all, how do you know you're writing to males? I know it's sort of a figure of speech, but it's a business email because this is the music business. So be professional and show respect for the ladies, especially those who might end up being the one reading your email. I recommend striving for knowing the first name or first names plural of the person or people that you're writing to and then you can personalize it instead of making it sound generic. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Aaron, you were just touching on this a little bit, but I just want you to go a little bit further. How do you, Aaron Hoagland, incorporate work with your music career? 
Yeah, that's um, any way possible. (laughs) 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 I mean, every day is a a learning experience, right? Uh, In whatever job that you do and, and trying to apply that into your your music is is something that I try to do every day whether it's a positive or a negative you know whether you're working a stressful you know 12 hour shift and you get done at the at the end of the day and you just want to pick up a guitar and forget about the world like that can drive it that's for mm. sure but for my specific situation with working in pro audio and also being a musician and an engineer and producer and loving to work with Trop Rock Music Association. I just mesh it all in as much as I can. Um, so, for instance, you know, because I love recording gear, uh, there's a company called Warm Audio, which has mic pre's. You know, I talk to them all the time. Uh, ended up getting, um, you know, some gear from them to test it out and, and decided which one mm-hmm. I liked and then sent it back and then bought it from someone else. And, uh, or, you know, with the Trop Rock Music Association, uh, I'm, I'm currently working on sponsors for our Trop Rock Music Awards uh, at the end of the year in Key West, uh, which I will be talking with many of them at um, NAM. So I, I'm always looking for ways to, I, I wouldn't say I'm looking for a way to advance my career, but I'm looking for a way to enrich my music in my relationships with people. I like it. I like it. Let, let's talk about that, that role of yours that you're starting to go towards, which is, I said this in the intro, Aaron is the artist relations chairholder on the board of directors for the Trop Rock Music Association. So first, Aaron, let's just back up and have you educate the listeners on what slash who the Trop Rock Music Association even is in the first place. Yeah, it essentially is made of multiple people from various facets of the trop rock industry. Um, To give you a sense of what that means is uh, that could be radio stations to fans to musicians to uh, pro audio industry people like myself to legal uh, accountants um, people that have been fans of Trop Rock for years um, are a part of the board of directors. Mm. But more importantly, Trop Rock entails anyone that essentially loves music and the ocean, the beach, escapism, talking about getting away. Um, wanting to leave the world behind, even if, as we were talking about, if you have to go back to responsibilities, at least for a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it encompasses all of that together. Um, okay. Yeah, so there you go. Aaron, talk about what your role as the artist relations chairholder, but also as an artist yourself, how that helps you see the other side of the business as it relates to indie artists who are always chasing after artist relations people at different companies and organizations, and perhaps even any advice that you're able to give as a result. I mean, heck, you know, even from your role with Tascam too, I think this might come into play for when you personally are at trade shows and are getting approached by artists looking for endorsement or sponsorship deals. Yeah, it's always uh, fascinating to have this view and outlook um from a different position right uh so 
to be able to know what an artist is looking for uh, from an organization like Trop Rock Music Association has helped me tremendously, uh, as in I have been putting together um, a packet or, or a plan, I guess you could say, for our division that when somebody approaches us and says, hi, I would love to be a part of the Trop Rock Music Association, how, how can I do that? Uh, we're, we'll, we'll have this process laid out for everyone that it's just going to be super easy and smooth of, okay, uh, you know, from from discussing your music, uh, of what it is that you convey and what you love and why you think it's um, a part of Trop Rock to, okay, great, now that we've discussed that of what is your ultimate goal? Do you want to play at um, the award show in Key West in November? Uh, or is it that you want to play more shows? Is it that you want to reach the online radio stations? Is it that you want to, you know, this, that, or the other as an artist? Um, that's been my plan and goal is to just analyze what, as an artist, what we can, what we need is what, what can TRMA help with? Well, but I like this perspective that you're bringing because it still comes back around to the fundamental approach that as an artist you have to have with an association that you're going to join with a company that you're going to ask for an endorsement or a sponsorship which is what is your sales pitch because this is a business so what are you telling people about your music and are you making sure that you're not walking up to people with your handout saying what can the trma do for me because it has to be both ways just like if you go to a company like tascam and you approach aaron at a trade show and say i want tascam to sponsor me well that's not a that's not a very <laughs> proper introduction it's hi how are you my name is john doe and i'm an artist and then you shut up and you wait for aaron to say my name is aaron tell me more about your music and then you have to have your elevator pitch and you have to know when to shut up and let aaron talk some more and let the thing evolve naturally and not just say, Trop Rock Music Association, what am I going to get for my membership? They expect to hear that question, but at the same time, when they come back to you and say, tell us about yourself, you don't say, I'm a fit because I do Trop Rock. It's like, well, duh, we wouldn't be having this conversation if you didn't. Tell, tell me about yourself and your music without saying, I do Trop Rock. <laughs> it's so true. The... um you know, there's two aspects of, of, of we can talk about TRMA here. Of if you were to um, a, approach us and say, you know, how can we be involved? TRMA is prepared for all levels of professionalism or or people just entering the the music realm. So don't get us wrong there. We are very uh, ready for that. You know, if you need some help um, preparing to get to a professional level, we can definitely help you with that. If you're already at a professional level and you want to talk to uh, J.D. Sparling at XM Margaritaville, we can definitely do that as well. We can have those conversations. Mm. Um, but I love that you were talking about being at a trade show, and I think this is a, a key thing because actually I had to do this as um, a musician when I first got down to Florida was approach companies – and get their blessing and talk to them about sponsorship and, and how we could work together. I think the main thing is is this. You have to figure out what is a – this is a working business relationship. This isn't just getting someone's approval to put their logo on your website or say, hey, I'm a Tascam 
artists or, or whatever company it is, um, really think out about their product and what they're trying to sell and what they're trying to achieve. And then how can you assist them with achieving that goal? Um, so for instance, me as an Eastern regional sales manager, if you were to walk up to my booth and say, hi, I'm Joe Schmo from Kokomo band. Um, I, I would love for you to tell me more about Tascam. That's a great way to enter into a conversation. Um, then to just say, Hey, I'm Joe Schmo from Kokomo band. Um, would love to talk to your marketing guy about sponsorship. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe Schmo from Kokomo band. Are you guys handing out endorsements at this show? Right, and that no. will get you a quick no. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, we're not, but uh, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you've talked about just getting back to the Trop Rock Music Association. I mentioned back in the intro that even though we're in late January, you personally are already eyeing up the TRMA Awards in November in Key West where you hope to perform. Just tell the listeners more about that event and what all goes on over what is four days for that event. Yeah, uh, this festival, uh, award show, uh, there's multiple things going on at the island at that time. Uh, this TRMA started uh, with Meeting of the Minds, which is Jimmy Buffett's Parrothead Club flocking down to Key West every year and celebrating Jimmy Buffett and everything that's Jimmy Buffett and uh, Key West. No pun intended, right? Parrotheads flocking. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the trma come came of this because of all the musicians that were playing there and they wanted to you know kind of give it a name for this genre and they came up with trop rock uh, a lot of people try to associate it with rock but actually you know trop rock our definition is um it, it's a general i'm sorry a, a genre of popular music that incorporates elements of rock and roll country Caribbean reggae, uh, and it can be other musical genres as well, but it's to create a laid-back or escape escapism um, state of mind. Mm. Okay. And, you know, it, it could it could incorporate uh, its island vibe through island, island-like instruments and production, you know, or with the beach or tropical or escapist type of lyrical uh, lyrics. Um, that's kind of what we defined it as right now. Okay. But so during this week or four or five there's people actually that come down they start a caravan in the gulf of mexico over by texas and drive their rvs wow and hit up various parties wow. uh and, and and places for lunch and um <laughs> stop and people play their music uh all the way down to key west you know the week or two before this mm -hmm. all starts um and from there so you have the meeting of the minds you have Trop Rock Music Association uh, Award Show, which we are currently working on um, having our award show at a different venue, uh, which is really exciting for us because we've always had to lean on the the Parrot Heads, and, and we were very fortunate for for them for their involvement. Um, but it's going to let us grow our our award show even more awesome. by um, being off of off you know an offshoot or another added value to the weekend, um, but. Every every bar, every stage is full of trop rock uh, musicians and artists, and it's just a fun weekend. Anywhere from people sitting there listening to one person on an acoustic guitar to full-on bands to um, Jimmy Buffett backing bands being there. 
to some rather large artists as well. Great, great. I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, by singer, songwriter, guitar player Aaron Hoagland. Visit his official website at AaronHoagland.com. We will, of course, have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Certainly, he is on social media as well. Engage with Aaron on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. There are icons for all of those on his website. You can purchase downloads of Aaron's music from his website or from iTunes. Be sure to keep up with him online for news about when his new EP gets released soon, or we will call it full album since it's nine songs. <laughs> I've been getting congratulatory messages on LinkedIn lately for Now Hear This Incorporated hitting 15 years. Hopefully you know that I do management, promotion, and booking. Schedule a private online video consultation with me, and let's talk about whatever challenges you're having in your music career. Take advantage of all my years in the business working with music clients all over the country and let's get you on track for a really successful 2019. Just go to nowhearthis.biz. That's nowhearthis, spelled H-E-A-R dot B-I-Z, as they say in Canada. And you will see an article there with all the details. The headline says, Video Consultations Now Available. I will look forward to seeing you, literally, and helping you out with whatever area or areas you need assistance in. Aaron, I want to go back to this whole idea of beach-infused country music. To me, just in my opinion, I think that sounds unique. I think it sounds original. Yet, around South Florida, or because we talked about it before, around the Caribbean, I would think it would be tough for people to grasp the idea. And I'm talking about places that hypothetically you might be talking to for trying to get booked to perform. Because Again, this is just my opinion. They're they're just going to want Jimmy Buffett-style music or Calypso or reggae. So my question is, do you just mentally tell yourself, whatever, it's not worth it, they don't understand, but then you say, fine, you know, you take the booking. Or do you kind of look inward and say, I owe it to this genre, to this sound that I'm creating to say, no, wait, I want to make sure you understand what I'm creating here. Because as we talked about before, at the end of the day, a musician wants people to buy their music and venues to book them, but at what point does it become, eh, I'll be able to keep paying my bills versus, darn it, I'm trying to build a brand here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything. Um, especially down here, you have a combination of travelers from all over the world and country Um that do come down and they want the steel pan and they want the the traditional beach music. Um, but in a sense, my music does fit all of that. Uh, it incorporates what is the Caribbean, what is the South Florida, what is the Gulf of Mexico, which is putting out the vibe of, hey, I've, I'm creating music with his, with what I enjoy, but I'm, I'm, preaching to the choir of of what we religiously follow right <laughs> which is <laughs> which is the beach and whether it's reggae music or it could be just straight up pop music um i, I have no problem walking into a into a place down here and saying hey i want to play here's my music i can confidently say that i could definitely get a gig and i do and i have no problems doing that uh 
you know, walking into a, a saloon in Wyoming might be a little different. Gotcha. But <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. Well, I must say that I, I can't see you living anywhere else. Am I right? Or is it, oh no, if I could move to say Bermuda, I would. I, I send my wife, uh, job openings in St. Thomas all the time. Uh, uh <laughs> but absolutely not. No, I, I'm warm. Uh, what do I want to say? I'm cold blooded. So I, I always want to be around, uh, I always want to be around the warmth. Listeners, Aaron is a guitar player, and if you listen to the show enough, you know that I play a Boulder Creek guitar, and that lots of big names do as well. Country star Lee Bryce plays a Boulder Creek guitar, and so do people like Michael Peterson, who is a million-selling Grammy-nominated country music artist whose songs have hit number one on the charts five times. He was the guest back on episode 245 of this show and talked all about why he chooses to play Boulder Creek. I believe he said he has three guitars from them. On our website, nhte.net, there is a Boulder Creek logo that you can click on to go over to their website to see the different guitars, basses, and ukuleles that they make. Plus, you can read about their suspended bracing system and look through their artist roster and find a dealer. Otherwise, if you want to head there directly, it's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. Aaron, I will see you this week at the NAM show in Anaheim, California. I know you'll right. be there repping Tascam, but as an artist, when you do get some free time to walk around, what is your approach with companies that you see that you want to talk to about your music? Yeah, uh, first of all, I, I look at if there's something that I can help provide and, and help them with, uh, whether that's gaining... Um, more follows or views, which is, is, that's what it always is, right? Yeah. So how can that incorporate into what I'm doing? Am I going to walk up to a hardcore death metal electric guitarist? You know, no, I, I definitely wouldn't do that. Um, but would I walk up to a Cajon hand drum company? I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't play it, but how can I incorporate it? Maybe my drummer can use it. Um, wow. At that point, though, I, I always step in and say, hey, please tell me more about your company. Um, would I love your products? They caught my eye because of this. I, I could see me op- incorporating it into my music, uh, or into my live show, or into my social media, um, whatever it is. Uh, and I just let those conversations grow. You know, obviously the the end goal is I wouldn't have approached them if I didn't see us working together. But it, it's more of having a conversation. You know, very organic. Uh, letting letting it go where it it, it might go. So, for instance, you know, you talk to a, a acoustic guitar company, like, hey, I'm recording an EP, but mine just sounds really twangy right now. Do you have something more smooth and mellow? I'm I'm looking for more uh, of like a Jack Johnson type of vibe okay. or something like that. Okay. And, you know, start talking about the the product. Um, you know, at that point, see if like, hey, is there any way I can try this out on a song? Uh, is there anyone I could talk to? Maybe they'll they'll let you borrow one for a month or something, or, or they'll hook you up through some other source. Um, you're in a unique position, though, because you're working for Tascam, you're holding down a seat on the board with the Trop Rock Music Association, and then there's Aaron Hoagland, the recording artist, and so what I'm seeing is you talking to someone at NAM, and all of a sudden they find out that you're involved with TRMA, and all of a sudden they go, oh, we'd love to do something with them, and so even though you're on their board, 
I don't know. I'm just trying to rationalize all that because at the end of it, you walk away and you go, well, it's great that they want to do something with the TRMA, but my own Aaron Hoagland original music is not going to benefit in any way from that conversation that I just had. Is is that wrong of me? Is that wrong of Bruce to, to think of that? Uh, and you can say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, as I was going back before talking about... Um, when I talk to people, I'm not looking to further my career. I'm looking to enrich my music and my relationships with people. So mm. if if our conversations lead to tar- TRMA and we can have a great relationship there, I'm sure eventually one day, whatever manufacturer I'm talking to, I, something's going to come up and I'm okay. going to say, hey, Joe, uh, by the way, I have this going on. think you could hook me up or you got something for me. Okay. And it might, um, it might be beneficial yeah, eventually. Yeah, one that day. makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> Not that it wasn't already with the relationship, right? Sure, sure. That's good. That's good. Well, we unfortunately are out of time. Uh, we're going to close today with another one of Aaron's original songs, one called "Down in the Keys." But Aaron, before we let you go, please do tell the listeners all about this song. Yeah, this song was created by going to the Florida Keys. Uh, multiple times over the last year and just viewing and analyzing and seeing everything that happens and goes on down there. Uh, you could be happy, you could be sad, there there could be all kinds of things going on, but the keys always bring everyone together, no matter their background, no matter what's going on. It's just a different vibe. And so I'm hoping that that shows through in this song. And speaking of the keys, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention David Fader. Uh, guitar player who was the guest way back on episode 107 of this show. He's in Isla Mirada, which is considered middle keys. And uh, if you didn't hear that interview, it's been a while, but episode 107, I'll put a link to that on the show page for Aaron's episode on nhte.net. When you talk about down in the keys, I'm thinking of Key Largo, of Isla Mirada, of Marathon, and certainly of Key West, because the song is not called Down in Key West. So I, I imagine that that's what your song embodies, Aaron, and what your intent is when you say that and, and when you write this song is the entire Florida Keys, yes? You nailed it. You nailed it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you. a lot, lot of good insight. And listeners, take a lot away from this interview, a lot, of, a lot from this conversation, because Aaron's wearing a lot of different hats, but he's done a great job of talking about how he's kind of wearing one hat that has, you know, one section says Tascam, one section says TRMA, and he's got like three different logos on his hat. So uh, <laughs> nice job, my friend. I will look forward to seeing you at NAM, and all the best for 2019. Thanks, Bruce. Looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Aaron Hoagland. Visit his official website at aaronhoagland.com. Again, we will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on nhte.net. From his website, you can connect with Aaron on several social media platforms. Like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment, and be sure to keep up with Aaron online for news about when his new album gets released. In the meantime, remember that you can download the music that he has already released. It's available for purchase on his website or from iTunes. 
And again, what about your music career, listener who is a recording artist, performer, entertainer? I do management promotion and booking, so schedule a private online video consultation with me, and let's talk about whatever challenges you're having in your music career. Take advantage, like I said before, all my years in the business working with music clients all over the country, 15 years now that Now Hear This Incorporated has been going. Just go to nowhearthis.biz, and you will see an article there with all the details. The headline says, Video consultations now available. Again, that's at now hear this, which is spelled H E A R dot B I Z. I will look forward to seeing you literally and helping you out with whatever area or areas plural that you need assistance in. In the meantime, thank you so, so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Aaron Hoagland. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Down in the Keys. For the lady at the bar Ain't failed a man's touch in so damn long That's why she decided to leave For a weekend fling Down in the Keys This place is for the gentleman at the bar He's all alone with a broken heart it's easy to see when you're down in the keys, there's no better place to be. Cause when you put the two together, it's a magical thing. You forget who you were, now you're kings and queens. And you won't see it coming Lined up at the bar A hammock under the tree They found their peace Down in the keys Getting rowdy out on the sandbar Singing along as I strum my guitar That's why it's easy to see There's no better place to be When you're down in the When you put us all together, it's a magical thing You forget who you were, now you're kings and queens And you won't see it coming, oh, down in the keys So set sail on a course for them tropical
Tropical dreams where you get back 